0: the hearts of men. Let's worship Him. Come on. All the dead are coming back to life, yeah
1: No oh.
2: A hey, New Life, isn't our God awesome, man? He is a way maker. He's always making ways for his people. Even when you feel like there's no way out, he can still provide a way. And he just did exactly that. We just got done with Collide Student Conference where a thousand kids from all across the state showed up to worship God. And I'm telling you what, it was a fun weekend. One of our uh, guest speakers who came in to speak this weekend, his name is Stephen Chandler. And uh, we're about to show you guys uh, a sermon of his that he spoke to our students. This is going to be a powerful message. So you're going to want to lean in right now, take some notes, get ready to learn something from our good friend, Pastor Stephen Chandler.
3: Hey, since you're on your feet, can you give Jesus some praise? Can you open your mouth? Can you declare, God, we bless you? We worship you, we... Hey, don't stop, 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 don't stop. stop. There is none like you in all the earth. Jesus, we're grateful, we're thankful. You are worthy of our praise. Wow! Like, oh my gosh. Do you understand how weird this is? A room full of junior high and high school that are passionate about God, that are desperate for more of God. Come on, can you push your hands together for the collision that is about to happen. I, I don't know if you know much about collisions, uh, but they're violent. Like stuff gets messed up when a collision happens, things break off, and I believe that just in this moment that some worry is getting ready to break off some people, some anxiety is getting ready to break off, some fear, some insecurity, some sickness. God is getting ready to do something in this moment that is gonna blow your mind, and I'm excited, I'm honored. Y'all ready to rumble? Good deal. Hey, uh, before we jump into this message, we just gotta take a moment and honor the pastors of this house. Can you put your hands together and honor Pastor Rick and Pastor Michelle? We are grateful, grateful for your prayers, for your sacrifice, for your yes that has created environments like this for us to encounter Jesus. I know Pastor Rick, you probably don't remember this, but 10 years ago before I started my church, I was watching ARC videos and I was scared out my mind because I didn't know if I could do it. And I climbed in Pastor Rick's DMs before climbing in the DMs was a thing. I was on Facebook, I sent him a message like, oh my gosh, you changed my life, I'm so great. Uh -uh. And you messaged me back. And he's like, man, I don't know you, but I believe in you. If you need anything, let me know. And I'm sitting in front of Facebook. T- he loves me. He didn't love me. He didn't know me. He loves me. He sees me. He believes in me. <laughs> but I am grateful, grateful, grateful for you, Pastor Michelle, for all that you guys have done. Y'all ready for the Word? Y'all ready to preach? Hey, go ahead. Grab your Bible. Turn in the Bible to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 4, 2 Samuel Uh, chapter four. And while you turn there, I just want to show you why I'm the most blessed person on planet earth. I want to show you the amazing family that God has blessed me with. You have a picture of my kids and my beautiful bride. They're going to throw that. Come on, look at that. Are you kidding me? I know this is offensive, but I'm just telling you, my family is cuter than your family. I'm just saying, don't take it personally. That's one good looking family right there. Sitting next to me is my beautiful wife. I call her my African queen. She's from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Her name is Zai. She is the best thing that ever happened to me. On my lap is my oldest daughter. She's five. Her name is Zoe. Her rapper name is Zozo. And then my twin, my son on my wife's lap. His name is Roman. His rapper name is Roro. So you can tell we're very creative. We have a Zozo and a Roro. And then I have a four week old daughter. Can y'all show Jade up there? Look at that. Come on now. Now she looks like an angel. Right now she's acting like a fallen angel because she has not slept in four weeks. So don't tell my wife this, but I'm so happy to be here because I had my first night of sleep last night in four weeks. So I am rested and I'm ready to rumble. Hey, let's jump into Word. It says this in 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. His name was—read that for me. Sound like you speaking in tongues. (laughs) Mephibosheth. So with this kid named Mephibosheth, there was nothing wrong with him until he was five years old. His nanny got some information. She picked him up and started to run with him, and she dropped him. When she dropped him, he became paralyzed. He became lame in his feet. Skipping down to chapter 9, verse 3, it says this, Then the king said, Is there not still anyone of the house of Saul to whom I show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. By the way, His name was not lame in his feet. His name was Mephibosheth. But for some reason, this world that we live in, it has a way of labeling you based on your worst day, not based on the day that God defines you and called you. He said He's lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed he's in the house of Maker, the son of Ammael in Lodabar. Then the king sent and brought him out of the house of Maker, the son of Ammael from Lodabar, Now Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, and he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table. Somebody say, eat bread. Bread. At my table. (laughs) Continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I. Hey, can we pray? Father God, we declare that you are a way maker, miracle worker. And God, you're in this room right now. God, you have showed up for one purpose. God, that's to speak to us, to pour your love out on our hearts, to open our eyes to the fact that we're called by you and you desire to take us one step closer to the destiny, the purpose, the plan that you have for us. So, Father God, have your way in this moment, and as you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, y'all amped. Y'all ready to preach? I, I don't know if you know this. Preaching is not a, a one-man show. Preaching is a team sport. You're going to preach with me, and here's how you help me preach. You're going to shout back at me. Somebody say Amen. Yeah. Nah, you you didn't say it right. Somebody say amen. Amen. You might just want to hop up and give the... Ooh, that was good. That was good. The more you shout back at me, the shorter the message gets. So it could be three hours or it could be 30 minutes. You decide. I have a question for you. Have you ever been dropped? Come on Anybody you ever playing around with a friend, and they picked you up, and they accidentally dropped you? I uh, I was watching. You know, it's, it's the Olympics, and whenever it's the Olympics, you always end up watching sports that you would never watch. Y- y'all saw the Olympic sport of like the power walkers where they're just up there, look like, look like they all got to go to the bathroom or something like that. I, I was watching wrestling, uh, like real wrestling, Olympic wrestling. The USA won, and I mean this brother, he picked this guy up and just boom, just dropped. It does not feel good to be dropped. I, anybody, you're so clumsy, you dropped yourself. You, you you fell downstairs. You fell off your bed. You gotta be clumsy not to fall downstairs. I have fallen upstairs in my life. You gotta be some type of clumsy to fall up the stairs. I know uh, it's a youth conference, so I'm supposed to be keep it light and all that other good stuff, but I've just been sensing in the spirit and I do have to address it. Uh, there is a demonic spirit that has had control in our country for years and, and nobody seems to be addressing it. The name of that spirit is Roller Coasters. I don't know about you, but there is nothing more ungodly than a roller coaster. I mean, just think about how demonic this is. People will stand in line for an hour waiting to get strapped into a machine that was designed to drop you. Clearly, you're controlled by that spirit. That is not Jesus at all. I hate being dropped. I'm from the Maryland, Virginia area. We have a music park there called King's Dominion. And they have this ride called the Tower of Doom. It, it, it's not a roller coaster because they got rid of all the little, you know, cutesy stuff. It literally is, they just put you in this contraption, they trap strap you in, they take you up 15 stories in the air, and they just drop you. Now, I want no part of this, except when I was at this amusement park, somebody double-dog dared me to get on it. And hear me, I ain't nobody's punk, you ain't going to dare me to get on something. So I get in line, and I'm sitting there for about 45 minutes waiting to get on this stupid ride, and the whole time I'm like repenting of my sins, I'm making my peace with God. Like just in case it all ends here, I want to make sure I'm right with Jesus. We finally get to our spot. We go and we sit. And, and you know, they have like this 12 year old kid who doesn't even have a driver's license, but it's his job to strap you in. And he comes by and he's like, Oh, you're good. I was like, Get back here and check this. Make sure it's good. So I'm strapped in and I'm, you know, I'm not even Catholic and I'm crossing myself. I'm Hail Mary, all this other kind of stuff. Next thing I know, it's like five, four, whoosh, Takes you up 15 stories in the air. And before you know it, you're just dropping. The only problem is it doesn't drop all of you. Your body drops, but your soul just suspends. (laughs) There's this separation. (laughs) It does not feel good to be dropped. Maybe you're like me and you can brag that no one has ever dropped you or dumped you in your life. I didn't date a lot of girls before my wife. I dated a few, and I tell you, ain't none of them broke up with your brother. I'll tell you right now. I always saw it coming, and I dropped them before they could drop me. (laughs) Come on (laughs) out. Homegirl would call, she said, and you know you you can see it coming, because they say, we need to talk. Listen, that can only mean one thing. I'll tell you, we don't need to talk. It's over. I just wanted to see where we were going out to eat on Friday. Oops, it's still over. It, it doesn't feel good to be dropped. By the way, we're in church, and church is a place where you confess your sins. And uh, my, my wife is not here, so I can confess something I've been hiding for years and years and years. Um, I dropped our firstborn Zoe. Y'all so judgmental. Don't look at me like that. It wasn't my fault. I was playing Xbox and I didn't know she knew how to roll yet, and next thing you know she rolls off of it. Don't worry, I caught her on the second bounce. She is good. Listen, it was five years ago. There's nothing wrong with her other than the fact she walks backwards into every room that she goes into. Other than that, she's good. Seriously, though, have you ever been dropped? Maybe not physically, but have you ever felt like life dropped you? Maybe your parents sat you down and had the conversation of, hey, we love you, but we don't love each other anymore. We're getting a divorce, and it feels like life just dropped you. You ever been in a situation where you had your friends, you had your circle, you had your core, you thought you guys were tight, and then you found out that actually they were the ones who were spreading rumors and gossiping and talking about you behind your back, and it's as if life just dropped you. It was 14 years ago, but I remember to this day the moment that my mom passed away and it is as if a chair was pulled under me. I mean, I felt just everything broke inside of me. It doesn't feel good to be dropped. Maybe it wasn't a life event that dropped in your life, maybe it was your standard of holiness that dropped. And you find yourself in a position where you're doing things that you said you would never do. You're saying things that you said you would never say. You're watching things that you would have never watched this time last year. It's like your standard had just dropped. Or maybe it wasn't anything that deep. Maybe it's just your expectation out of life that has dropped. Maybe you wake up every single day with no hope of anything great. If I could just make it to the end of today, that would be, have you ever been in a place where you just feel dropped? In this passage that we read, It's this transfer of power between the first king of Israel and the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel was a man by the name of Saul who started off right, but after a while, he began to smell himself. He began to think that he was the man and all of his power was because of his strength. He turned his back on God. Because of that, God says, I'm going to remove my grace from you. The enemy came in and Saul and his son Jonathan ended up losing their life. Saul had a grandson whose name was Mephibosheth. And and when the grandson's nanny found out that his granddad and his dad had died on the same day, she picks him up and she begins to run because she's afraid that what happened to his father and his grandfather was going to happen to him. And as she was running, she dropped him and he broke his legs. I've discovered that whenever I live my life based on fear, fear of not being good enough, Fear of not being accepted, fear of not being loved, fear of my life not working. Whenever fear is my motivator, something ends up breaking inside of me. Now, some of you are like, Pastor, you're preaching to me. I've been dropped my whole life. Some of y'all, I don't know what this guy's talking about. This little Chris Rock looking preacher. Who brought this guy in? I I ain't never been dropped in my life. I don't don't even know what he's talking about. This is weird. I can't wait for tomorrow because he ain't gonna be talking about being dropped. Well, here's what the Bible says The Bible says it doesn't matter what your story is, all of us were born dropped. It says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse three. It says, all of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing our passions desire. Here's what the Bible says, from the day we were born, our holiness was dropped. We were born lame, born broken. And for all of us that have some moment of life, whether it's sin, whether it's birth, or whether it's an event that broke us, that dropped us, I believe that God sent me tonight to let you know, in spite of how life has dropped you and broken you, God has a great plan, a great future, and a great destiny for your life. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts of what do I do when I just find myself in a position where life, where expectations have just dropped? Can y'all do me a favor? Can y'all take notes while I preach? Is that okay? Can you, like, pull out a phone, grab a pen, write something down? And I, I, I just want to be the best pastor i possibly be. hear me. You have a 74% more likely chance to make it into heaven if you take notes in church. I'm just, I've just, I've heard that statistic. You got a better shot if you take notes. I also heard 84% of statistics given by pastors are made up. So you can take that one any way you want. The first thing I want you to write down is this. My seat, my seat is searching for me, my seat is searching for me. So here it is, Mephibosheth, he's lame, he's crippled in his legs, and at that time in history, there was major discrimination against people who were crippled. If you were crippled that time in history, you were not allowed to be in public, you were not allowed to go into government buildings, watch this, you weren't allowed to go to church if you were crippled. You literally were an outcast having to be hidden for the rest of your life. I think that's a picture of sometimes when there's things that are broken inside of us, we feel like we have to hide because we feel like we won't be accepted. So here's Mephibosheth, he's hiding out in Lodabar. It's one of the worst cities in the entire kingdom. He's just trying to stay out of people's view, trying to kind of just survive. And here's what I've discovered so many of us, without even realizing it, because of the brokenness on the inside, we're hiding. Some people hide behind their humor. You ever met somebody, they just tell jokes at the worst time? It's just not a funny moment. It's just not time for a joke. And they're just, you know, let me, let me tell you this joke. I think it's going to be really funny. <laughs> Some people hide behind relationships. Like you don't know what to do without friends. You always need somebody around you that you're caring for, taking care of, or whatever it may be. Some people hide behind sinful things like pornography or alcohol or whatever it may be. But for so many of us, because of brokenness, we find ourselves hiding. Here's the thing that blows my mind, that as Mephibosheth was hiding out, he had no idea that his name was being discussed in the king's palace. Here it is, Mephibosheth thinking that he means nothing to anybody, and all the way across town in the king's palace, the king is discussing his name. Hear me, as we're in this room right now, there are people that are talking about you behind your back. Who's talking to them? I knew, I know exactly who. You no, know. calm down. They're not talking about you to tear you down. They're not talking about you to make fun of you. Your name is being discussed in the hallways of heaven. Jesus is talking about you right now, and He's saying, Hey, go find them. I don't want them in a place where they're hiding, I want them at my table. Here's what you have to understand King Jesus desires for you to be sitting at his table in his kingdom. Here it is Mephibosheth thinking he's broken, forgotten, and outcast, and the king is saying, go get him, I need him at my table. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, um, I, I, there's a lot of things that are weird about me and I've just learned to accept it, it's just, it is what it is. One of the things that are weird about me, I can't stand other people eating. <laughs> Pastor, how are they going to live? I don't know how they're going to live without eating. It's not my problem. Uh, just, I just because people don't know how to eat right. You know, like you 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 put the food in your mouth and you wait until it's all the way in before you start to chew. That's I think that's normal. But some of you people, you just <laughs> and I'm sitting at the table just like. <laughs> And some, 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 some people, <laughs> I got in trouble because I have people in my family like this. Like, they don't like to wait for their food to cool off before they eat it, particularly soup. You, you, ever, you ever met some hot soup eaters? It's probably some of you people in this room right now. You got your soup. <laughs> I just want to grab them by the neck and bless them really tight. Like, it's another level of connectivity when you're close enough to someone to hear them eat. (laughs) Can I tell you about Jesus? He's not just satisfied that you're in his kingdom, he wants you at his table. He's not just satisfied that you are a child of God, that you're a follower of God, that you're living out on the outskirts of the kingdom. Your savior, your creator, he loves you so much. He said, I want you sitting right next to me at my table. I desire for us to have a level of intimacy. Uh, Jesus wants you so close he can hear you slurp your soup. Only you can understand that King Jesus in a room of thousands of people, in a country, in a world of billions of people. Jesus said, I want you so close that we can talk, that I can let you know how much I care about you, how much I love you, that I can let you know that you're not average, you're not normal, you're not forgotten. You are a king's son and a king's daughter, and I have great plans for your life. I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church longer than I've been alive. I I, I like to say it this way. I've been in more church services than Jesus has because I went to some services and Jesus was not there. I'm like, why did you leave me in this room? But I remember growing up kind of just feeling invisible. Feeling like there was nothing special about me. I have an older sister. She is my hero. She got into every Ivy League school that she applied to, a classical pianist. She is a genius. And then there's me, Stephen, just weird, awkward, introvert, not that special. I remember when I was reading my Bible at 16, I came across a verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, where Jesus said this. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jesus wants you so close that he can whisper in your ear, I have plans to use you to transform the world. I have plans to use you to lead your mom and your father to Christ. I have plans that revival is gonna birth in your school because of what I wanna do in your life. You gotta Understand that there is a king that he desires for you to be closer to him than you can ever imagine. The second thing I want you to write down is this not only is your seat searching for you, but your seat is secure. So they finally find Mephibosheth, and you can only imagine how scared he was. They said, Hey, the king knows who you are, and he wants you to be seated at his table. Now, you gotta understand, I don't know what kind of movies and TV you like, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, or whatever it may be, that got nothing on the Bible. There is nothing more savage than the Bible. Back in those days, when a new king would come into the kingdom and he wasn't related to the old king, the first thing he would do would he would kill everyone related to the old king, even the children. Because he knew that even a little baby prince can grow up and one day be a grown man and try to take back his grandfather's kingdom. So when Mephibosheth heard that David wanted him, he wasn't thinking that David wanted to bless him. He wasn't thinking that David liked him. He was thinking, David's trying to kill me. So he gets there and he said, hey, the king wants to meet you. And Mephibosheth comes in and he says, oh, no, 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 no. What, what a dead dog am I? I don't deserve any. Please say, please, please don't kill me. You see, Mephibosheth thought that he was in the king's presence based on what he could do for the king and based on the sins of his grandfather. But what Mephibosheth didn't understand that his father, Jonathan, had made a pact with David and said, hey, when I go, can you look out for my son, Mephibosheth? Here's what we have to understand. Our relationship with God, our proximity to God, the fact that God wants to do great things through our lives are not based on the fact that we have to perform for God. It's not based on the fact that we have to be smart enough or good enough or anointed enough or whatever it may be. It's based on the fact that Jesus purchased a seat for us in the kingdom of God. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, however, God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. We are saved by God's grace, and God raised us up, watch this, and seated us. Somebody say, I have a seat. He seated us in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Do you know that right now in heaven, there is a chair with your name on it? There is a seat for you right next to Jesus, and it's not based on your perfection, your performance, your intelligence, it's based on the fact that Jesus Christ made a way for you to step into all that he has for you based on his grace and based on his mercy. I I grew up in a big family, I have four siblings, and kinda in our house, eating was a big deal especially when it came to like the holidays. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm in Arkansas, so I'm not imagining there's gonna be too many Caribbean folks in Arkansas, but my, oh, oh, come on, somebody, somebody from the, that's, that's one. Well, there's two, God bless you. <laughs> so my folks, they're, they're from Barbados, and, and Caribbean folks, we, we cook a little different than people down here in the South. Caribbean folks, we eat stuff like jerk chicken pickled pig's feet. Y'all don't know nothing about that. And coconut rolls and cassava cakes and all this other kind of stuff. So for us, Thanksgiving wasn't like a Thursday where you cook. It was a week-long event. Grandma would move in on Monday and start grating coconut and seasoning. It was an event. And you know, nowadays, you may help out your mama or whatever it be. When I was coming up, there were no kids allowed in the kitchen. It is grown folks business. We, we don't need you in here, you, you just stay out there and, and we'll let you know when it's ready. So I, I didn't really get to cook much, but my job, don't laugh at me and don't take my man card, but it was my job to set the table. I, I, come on, a, a, any table setters? So when dinner was almost ready, my mom would say, Stephen, come set the table. And I would come and my goodness, look at this table. It's, it's all right. I don't know who set this up. It's completely wrong. The, the cup goes on this side. The knife goes here. The fork goes here. You don't put the spoon next to the knife. Everybody knows that. The spoon goes across the top. Listen, your boy is a bad table setter. I even know how to do a little crane, a little unicorn thing with the napkins. I mean, i listen, your boy's bad. I know what I'm doing when it comes to setting a table. And when I was finished setting the table, my mom would say, hey, go tell your siblings that dinner is ready. Any of you older siblings, your parents would send you with messages to your siblings, go tell them what I used to love when they would tell me to go sell them something. Because it's just like, oh, and I'd go downstairs and they're like playing Xbox or something. Mom said dinner is ready. And, you know, they don't care about me. So I'm like, oh, Shut up. And I'd go over to that TV and I'd whip it out the wall. Mom said, you don't touch me. I'll come in with the. Because here's the deal when mom said dinner is ready, it didn't mean dinner was ready, it meant come now. I ain't cook all day for you to take 320 minutes or whatever. Come now, the table is set. Hear me, New Life Collide Conference. I believe that God sent me all the way from Maryland to let you know the table is set. God has prepared a place for you. This is not a time to hesitate, this is not a time to take 20 minutes. Here's one of the problems of being this age, when you're 13, 16, 18, you feel like you have your whole life ahead of you, and you do, but you don't have time to waste in coming to Jesus. Because he's saying right now, if you would draw near, if you would come to the table that I've set for you, I'm going to whisper things into your heart that are going to define you for the rest of your life. He has prepared a table for you. Here's what the Bible says, in the presence of your enemies. It says, he bathes your head with oil, your cup runneth over. Now, when I read this verse, it's Bible, which means it's right. I just don't like it. The Bible says that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Somebody say, table, anointing, overflow. Come on, one more time. Table, anointing, overflow. So the Bible says that God seats you at the table. Then he gives you the power that you need, and then you see results. In other words, God will put you in positions that you don't think you have enough power to do. God will put you in positions that you have not yet seen the results of your capability. And he's saying, if you will just trust me, if you will just sit in the place that I've called you to be, maybe the position is starting a small group at your school. And you feel, I don't, know if I'm power, I don't know if I have enough influence. I don't, he said, if you would just trust me and take that step of faith, next thing you know, you're going to see the power of God come in. And after that, you're going to begin to see the results. That's my story. I actually became the pastor of the church that I pastor. I was 23 years old. It was my dad's church. He had pastored it for 15 years. And after 15 years, he came to me and said, Stephen, I feel like God's calling me to step away from leading the church and to take care of your mother. And she was battling cancer at the time. He said, how do you feel about becoming the pastor of this church? Y'all, I wasn't ready. You know how they say three strikes, you're out. I had three strikes. I was 23. I was young. I was not married. And you, you shouldn't be pastoring a church when you're not married. And I had never been to cemetery. I'm sorry. I mean, seminary. Forgive me. I, <laughs> Mix up my words sometimes. (laughs) And I was just like, God, I don't feel ready. I don't think it's right. But here's what he said. He said, if you'll sit at the table I put you at, I'll anoint you. And then you're going to see that overflow. And here, 10 years later, we're seeing thousands of people come to know Jesus at that church. Just because in spite of fear, in spite of not feeling like I was enough, I stepped into a role that God had for me and watched him move supernaturally. Hear me, if you would trust God enough, To say, God, I'm just going to step up into the role that you have. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Watch him anoint you in a way that you never thought possible. Somebody shout amen. Amen. I want to give you this last thought, this last thought. There are more seats at the table. Yeah, life may have dropped you, but there's a king, and his name is Jesus, and he's looking for you. He's not looking to punish you. He's not looking to get back at you. He's not looking to embarrass you. He is looking to seat you at a place of joy, a place of peace, a place of purpose. Don't worry about drawing close to Jesus. It's not based on your performance or your perfection. It's based on the fact that he died on the cross so that we can have access in all that he has come. Boldly, the Bible says. But what you got to understand is they're not just one seat at the table. There's more seats at that table. So finally Mephibosheth, he trusts David enough to go sit at that seat. Could you imagine how awkward it was? Hear me, it was illegal for a crippled person to be in the king's presence. I'd imagine Mephibosheth got there after, everybody's already seated. All the nobles and the princes and the warriors in the army. And it had to have been the most awkward walk as Mephibosheth limps his way. Through that courtyard, everybody's staring at him, and he makes his way to the seat that everybody knew he didn't deserve. And I could just see him sit down. The king is sitting right next to him, and I could hear David Leno, "Man, I'm so glad you're here." "Man, your dad was so good to me." But as he's sitting there, everybody else in the room, they're whispering and they're saying, he doesn't belong here. They let a cripple in the king's presence. This is a shame. Here's Mephibosheth looking around, feeling awkward, feeling like he doesn't belong here. Here's the thought that crossed my mind. Before Mephibosheth sat at the king's table, everybody knew he was a cripple. They could see it. But after Mephibosheth sat at the king's table, everything that was broken about him was covered. Matter of fact, the only thing you could see in Mephibosheth at the king's table was from his waist up, and chances are he was ripped from the waist up because he was used to using his arms instead of his leg. He probably looked like a warrior from the waist up. And everything about him that was broken was covered. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe a friend invited you, maybe maybe all of this environment is weird and strange and, and you're looking around during worship and people had their hands lifted, they knew the words to the song and, and you're like, man, I don't fit here, I'm, I'm jacked up, I'm not a church kid, I, I don't know how to how to do all this stuff. Here's what I need you to understand about church. Church is not a place of perfect people, church is a place of covered people. Church is a place of people that yeah, there's some jacked up things in our life, yeah, there's some brokenness, Yeah, there's some things that aren't right. It's just we're seated at the king's table and he's covered the brokenness in our life. So here's the thing. Now that Mephibosheth's brokenness was covered, he had two options. He could either pretend like he was perfect. You can no longer see the brokenness. So now he could actually say, oh, I'm good. (laughs) I deserve to be here. I've been a member here for five, I'm good, I'm set, I'm, I'm at the king's table. Or he could say, I don't deserve to be here. I'm so grateful that I am. But there's other seats at the table. And I wonder how many other broken people are out there that they don't realize that the king actually wants them at their table. And he can make a decision that I'm not going to just sit here and be comfortable and relax. I'm actually going to make it my business to go out and to find other broken people and to let them know that there is a seat for them at the King's table. Hear me, King Jesus is not… Jesus is not just looking for Christians that are going to be covered by his grace and sit in church all pretty and have it all put together. He is looking for people that are going to go out into their school and their home and their sports team, finding other broken people, saying, You belong here too. It doesn't matter how life has dropped you, Jesus wants you at his table and he wants to cover every broken thing about your life. Here's what the Bible says, instead when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means that you're covered by the grace of God and that you spend your time finding other broken people and inviting them to sit at the same table that God has invited us to. Hear me, I don't know your story. I don't know your experience. But here's what I do know. That King Jesus is searching for you. He doesn't want you on the outskirts of his kingdom. He wants you sitting right next to him. And he wants to use you to find more broken people and to put them at the same table. If you believe it, can you hop up on your feet? Can you give God some praise? Can you honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords?
2: Hey, look, I want to take a moment just to pray with you. Maybe you're sitting here after that sermon and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And uh, the Bible says that anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. And so if that's you right here, I just want to have a moment with you and with God as well. I want to pray over you. So do me a favor, uh, repeat this prayer right here, wherever you are. And I believe God wants to do something really cool. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you. And Lord, I believe in you. God, I'm so thankful that you sent your son Jesus for me. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. God, come into my heart and change me from the inside out. I'm following you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, hey, look, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, first of all, that's the greatest decision that you could ever make, and uh, and so I applaud you right now. Welcome to the family. We want to know who you are, though, and so uh, if you made a decision today, or maybe this is your first time viewing on with us, and you want to know how you can take your next steps here as a church, uh, you can just text the word CONNECT to 88000, and we'll reach out to you and let you know what your next steps may look like, whether it's um, joining a life group at a local campus, or maybe getting water baptized, or any questions that you you may have. We would love to answer those or pray alongside of anything that you're going through in life right now. But look, before we wrap wrap up service here today, uh, I do want to say thank you so much for the way that you do give. And there's three easy ways to give here at New Life Church as well. You can give online at newlifechurch.tv. You can text to give, or you can give through the NLC app as well. And I just want you to know when you give, you're making a difference. Like we talked about, Collide Conference, we just finished up. You just heard from one of our guest speakers. But I want to show you guys a first-hand experience of what this weekend looked like. Again, thank you for giving. Check this video out. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who reigns? Jesus. Who's above all?
3: church is not a place of perfect people church is a place of covered people you were created in
0: the imago dei the image of god himself he created
3: you on purpose for a purpose with a purpose God says, bring me your weakness and I will make you strong. He is looking for some young people, not to step out in areas of strength, but to step out where they are weak so that He can be strong, so that He can take the little and make it more than what you thought it could be.